You're listening to a DM podcast. Hey guys, happy new year and welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host Tristan Cannell. We are up to episode 206 to kick off the year and our first guest on the show is one of the legends, Owen Craigie. So this will be part A, so any long podcast this year, so anything over kind of that 90 minute mark or split into two episodes. So today will be around 45-50 minutes and then another 50 minutes for part B next week. Any 60-minute ones, I'll probably keep as just one episode for the time being. But just a, a warning, particularly in part B, there is a lot of adult themes. And I know a lot of kids listen to the show with their parents. So just a, a warning ahead of time. I don't want anyone to be listening to any conversations that they think their kids might not be needing to hear at this stage of their lives. So definitely review it first before you let any of your kids check out this episode. Hope you're enjoying my new show, Talking League. This will run on this channel to about mid-March, but plenty of season previews ahead for all the NRL teams, which include either a player or a coach from each club. So you can search Talking League. All the relevant links will be found at TalkingLeaguePod.com or in the show notes in your episode player. I will be running a NRL Fantasy League and also Tipping Comp, tipping comp for all listeners to Talking with TK. There is a $500 cash prize. Winner takes all, and it is free to enter for everyone. So every all the listeners and your family and friends, jump in, have a crack, and it's lots of fun to be involved in that sort of community stuff as well. If you don't know what to do, just send me a message on social media or hit me up at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com, and I'll take you through all the steps that you need to enter the comp nice and easily. All right, guys, excited to be back, and I introduce Owen Craigie. All right, guys, my special guest today is Owen Craigie. Owen is a former professional rugby league player who played 153 first-grade games in the NRL for Newcastle, West Tigers, and South Sydney, and he won a premiership with the Knights in 1997. He played a season over in England for Witness, where he's also the only player to represent the Australian schoolboys on three occasions. Today, he's a mental health advocate, and he's the founder of Chase the Energy. Welcome to the potty, Owen Craigie. How are you? What's doing, people? It's the big OC, baby. It's the big OC in the house. <laughs> One of the most requested guests, mate. It's an honor to have you on, mate. But let's start because I'm a big rugby league supporter. Yeah. My three favorite players, Presto, Nath, yourself. Well, Tell Tinga, me about Tinga, mate. It's, 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 well, there mustn't have been any TVs in Tinga or any electricity. But, but no, it must have been something in the water, you know. Like, um, so, like, my grandfather, Owen Blair, um, his brother... Uncle Alec Blair's Greg Inglis's grandfather, um, the sister, um, Auntie Betty uh, Munro was uh, President Campbell's grandmother was the yep. sister. The other sister was Auntie, Auntie Pearl. She was um, PJ Ellis's um, grandmother, and yep. Be- Uncle Dowie was the other brother. He was Bevan French's great grandfather, <laughs> and then Nathan Blacklock's um, mother married the brother of President Campbell's grandfather. So. You know, and the Lydiard boys. Uh, oh, the Lydiard yeah, too. Yeah, their uh, ancestors originate from Tinga as well. And um, 
Yeah, look, Tinga's only a small small town now in, in Chinese Mandarin. It means pot of gold. Yep. So I think the pot of gold was seven seven young Aboriginal boys, you know, that used to go hunting for rabbits and echidnas and catching crabobs, uh, which you call yabbies. You know, uh, one day set the rugby league world on storm, but not once did we ever sit there and say, while well, we were hunting or swimming or doing family activities, that we'd all achieve what we've achieved in the game of rugby league. You oh, know, no like doubt. Preston, the... Start the Preston Campbell Foundation and the All Stars and to yep. win the 2001 Grand Final with Penrith and to win the Dalian Player at Cronulla. I still see Preston as my little cousin that always played soccer, but was a very good hunter when we used to catch rabbits. Mm. You know, then I look at now my cousin Nathan Blacklock was the most prolific try scorer in rugby league history, 83 tries in four years. Like if he played in the NBA or the NFL, he'd be MVP every year. What? But yeah. he couldn't make an origin team, you know what I mean? Mm. And then you look at Bevan French, set the world on fire by mistake. He come from playing for Tinger in the second division comp yep. to, to play in NRL the following year at Parramatta because he had a dream and he chased it. You know, and then you look at PJ Ellis, he went to the Dragons, you know, and won the Jersey Flag Grand Final and yep. debuted at the Dragons and then he went to St. George. He's, he's a back rower, right? Back rower, yeah. yeah PJ yeah. Ellis, you know, he's he nicknamed Jukebox, you know. He can yeah, play, I remember he, him. He plays the He's history, Chock's you know? cousin too, right? Uh, no, I don't think, no, he's not Chock. All the boys know each other really well, you know. Okay. Know yep. well, but Chock and Nate Blackrock are really close, you know. And then you've got G.I., you know, G.I. was born at Barrowville, but he's... You know, he's, he's originates from, from the mob over that way there. And, but his grandfather, he's originates from Tinga. Okay. You know, so when we're talking his bloodline, you talk about the family, the Blair family, B-L-A-I-R, the Blairs. So my pop's brothers were all great rugby league players growing up. Yep. They were, you know, and my pop and Uncle Alec now, Greg, are the only ones alive today. Everyone has passed away. We lost Aunty Betty, you know, a couple of months ago. Then we lost Uncle Barry, which is, they call him Uncle Buller, who's renowned best player in, the, in country rugby league, you know, and um, yep. to, for us to achieve what we've done for a population, you know, it says seven, 800 on the sign of Tinga, but there's about 400 people that live in the town, you wow. know, and all we ever dreamed of as growing up was rugby league, you know, and people say, who is your team that you pl- loved? I loved watching, you know, because my dad went for Penrith, we were forced to watch Panthers play, my next door neighbour, God rest his soul now, you know, Sean Drady passed away at 33, he had a fit in his sleep from, from alcoholism. Oh, I'm sorry for that, mate. Yeah, and he went for Balmain, him and his brother slip, and I just, um, but my idols were the ones that played for Tinga Tigers, man. They were my idols. I was just was that a Sunday RV? Is that what yeah, happened? Yeah, Saturday and Sunday, I was the first one up there, me and my brothers and all the boys, to be the ball boy and sand boy, back in the day, <laughs> a can of coke and a pie and five bucks, you know, and, but I love the old leather ball and... You know, so I learned to chip and chase and some of my skills were, were to be the ball boy and I, I mimicked what I've seen some of the people do for the Tinga Tigers. So the chip know. and chase came from the Tinga Tigers? Yeah, it originally came from the Tinga Tigers from a man called Catman and then then later in my life, Tricky Trindle and, and uh, Phil Blake used to do it. You know, it's I, Tricky I, in the area. Yeah, Tricky comes up here and trains. You know, Tricky's a legend, you know, and I mimic. I used to mimic what I used to see, yeah. you know, because I couldn't read and write when I was young. So yeah. I used to go on body language. And then I practice and practice and practice, you know, like, and I was just, um, it just becomes second nature, you know. You're a left footer, aren't you? I'm a right footer. Okay, but you just can use your left. Is yeah, this for yeah. the practice? Yeah, so what <clears> I realised from a young age is that because I used to run 110.93 on a track and 11 seconds flat. I was going to get grass. to that, mate. Yeah. Jesus. So I realised that I used to chip and chase with, with my right foot, uh, young kid. Yeah. And what it did was it gave me a stop-start motion. And I had to click from fast, slow to pick up the speed again, because my leg, my right leg was my my normal well, your power leg, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my my right <laughs> leg was what I used all the time. 
I'm right legged. And then I realized I'd done it with my left foot one day and I said, shit, that feels good. Because what it did was it allowed me like a little golf shot, a little slice from the sand to get onto the green. But I never lost my momentum or my speed. So I was gotcha. like, bang. So my right leg was always planted at top speed. I could still carry top speed. But what it allowed me to do when I chipped out other players, they'd plant their feet, the turn by that time I was gone. Yeah. Because so I, I saw that video you put up yesterday with you and Leo. Yeah. And, mate, he was a halfback and a half. Leo, you know. He's your chip and chase and you inside and him back out. He, yeah. That was entertainers, mate. Remember I said we, that to you? We, we, we had the black line before the Rabbitohs even had the black line. The Knights <laughs> in, the, the in the 90s, we had 14 Indigenous players. And were you all tight? We were all tight, bro. We were yeah. all tight. And, um, Warren Ryan came in and sacked a lot of us. Brett Grogan was another Brett one of Grogan, my favourites. Brett Grogan, Leo yeah. Denver, Jace Moody, Owen Craigie, Ricky Sullivan, uh, Willie Baker. Yep. Um, the, the list just goes on. You know, he sacked a lot of us, you know. And... Um, and then I had a four-year contract in. I walked out after the first 12 months. I went to the West Tigers, you know, from race, for, through the races. You know. But in saying that, yeah, look, back then, you know, I had Jace Moody on my wing or sometimes Adam McDougall. Mm. And as you know, Adam McDougall now is worth $200 million with the man shake. He's doing great. He's yeah. doing great, you know. And um, and then we had Leo Denovan and Robbie O at the back and then we had Grogan on right centre. And, you know, like we, we had the black line before we had the black line. We raised the crew flag before there was social media. You know nah, what I mean? Like if we man. raised the flag and did what we did back in the 90s with social media, we'd have 20 million followers. Oh, you know, you just mentioned Jace Moody. He's fast as, you're fast as, Darren Albert. Yeah. Did you guys used to have races? Yeah, with... we had races all the time. Who won? Albie. Darren Albert used to smoke us by 20. Really? Yeah, he's the fastest. What, what do you reckon he could do? 10-3? Well, he was from Scone, and in Scone, they breed thoroughbreds. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think he got the genetics from the stables up there, you know? But but he was, um, he, yeah, we used to we used to competitively race each other. Yeah. And then it got to a stage where we'd give blokes five, ten minutes head start, and Albie was behind us. And he'd still smoke. Really? Jesus. Swear to God, bro. Were you, were you winning at the start and then he'd come back? Oh, uh, he was Albie would be the slowest off the blocks for 10. Okay. But over the 90, he'd Just smoke. Smoke you. Yeah, because he was, he was the fastest white man or white thing I've seen on two legs in my life. <laughs> 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 he, was, he was the man, you know. And, he and, was. And he then was great. When we trained together so much and we were so competitive, I knew that if I can get the ball to Albie or Matty Gidley did or Andrew or Matty Johns did or, or Leo, Matty or, or Joey would kick, we knew nine and a half times out of ten he was going to score. Did he get the most beer shouted after the grand final? Well, he doesn't live anymore. He lives on the Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Yeah. I spoke to him the other day. Yeah, you know, he body. can't live in this town, man, because he's like, they think Joey's God and, and Chief's God, and they are. But Albie's the man, bro, you know, like. Forever and, in and history, even, mate. For the history and for this reason. Not so much that he scored the. The winning try to win the grand final for the Newcastle Knights mm. in this city. Oh, the Searsy. Yeah, but the Searsy tackled a week before. But this is how I look at it. Super League were in town, mm. the Hunter Mariners. And um, people were coming in with big coin. Like, they wanted to sign me for $200,000 just to sign on. How old were you? I was 17. Jesus. You know, at this time, I was like, play of SG ball. I debuted. Yeah. I was the highest paid junior in the world going into my second year SG ball on like 120 grand playing SG ball. That's big money. That's big money. We're talking about 97. So we're talking about. We're talking 95, 96. We're talking about what, 400 grand in this money, right? Yeah, probably. And um, they said, we'll give you $200,000 just to sign on. Then that's just to sign the contract. Just to go to Super League. 
Wow, as a seventeen-year-old yeah. kid, yeah, from Tinga too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then ARL found out John Quinlan, and then ARL come and give me the same amount. That's how I bought my first house and car, and I put mum and dad in the house, and my brother and sisters moved them down here. You know, I bought the house yeah. outright. You know, at Northampton, five in the wrong road, and then um, that was separate to my plane contracts. You know, and then um, so that tried that Darren Albert scored saved the game of rugby league in this country. Mm. It's that was the definition of. The Super League not going ahead. Yep. That was the uh, that was the foundation of the ARL owning the right to this beautiful game that we got, because we were rugby league heartland. Yep. Um, we we breed more halfbacks and junior products in the Hunter region than anywhere else on the globe. But even look now, mate, so clubs they, are still taking players from you. Have you look at the halfbacks? Have you Brett Kamali, <laughs> Brett Finch, Adam Brown? You yep. know what I mean? Uh, Johnny Morris, Luke Bird, Greg yep. Bird, Willie Mason. All the big boys. All the big all boys, you know, here, what I mean? all, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Like Troy Mitchell's in the junior system here. Greg yep. Inglis is in the junior system here. You know, like it, it never ends. So this is Rugby League Heartland. And but Darren Albert scoring that try, it was great. One for the city of Newcastle because 2,000 people lost their jobs at BHP that year. Yeah. And then it was great for the game of Rugby League because it installed confidence in all the support. And that's when the game grew, man, between 97 up to early 2000. Like you couldn't get a seat at Newcastle. We were 38,000 people, half-time reserve grade, locked the gates at Marathon Stadium. You Did you feel like a king when you were walking in man, the I gates? Feel, like I said, I say this all the time. I felt like I was a drummer of Coldplay. Like, yeah. I was just sitting in the back watching the boys go out the front, and I just chimed in when I had to. Like, it was just such a, an amazing experience for a schoolboy. And it's one club. Like, it's the, like Green Bay Packers in the Green NFL, Bay right? Packers, it's, you know what I mean? It's like so similar. It's so similar, bro, you know, and, you know, you, you look at all these success stories with the Chicago Bulls with the last dance and yeah. LA Lakers with Kobe and Shaq and, and you look at Deion Sanders, you know, uh, for the Dallas, oh, Dallas Cowboys, yeah. you know, and um, the running back that they had then, you just think, you know, like, Newcastle Knights, man, they were up there at that time. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you name some players today in this team and all I could probably name you is probably Ponga, Pierce and Bradman Best. Yeah. Back in the 90s, coach, they'd, rena- they'd name every player in the first grade team and reserve grade. Mate, when I went for the Sharks, right, when you were coming up for I reserve grade for, yeah. in the grand final against the Sharkies, I, 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 could, I could actually name your team, mate. Yeah, yeah, you know, we had the Kamali brothers Kamali. in there. We had Johnny Carl or Down Albert, Brett Grogan. Yeah, Billy Peden. Billy Peden, <laughs> um, Mark Glanville, Scotty Connolly, Troy Fletcher, um, but Tony Butterfield played a few yeah. games, Glennie Miller. Uh, Maxi Chapman, you know, uh, Tony Hutton. And then um, I was starting fullback as a 16, 17-year-old kid and Robbie Ross was on the bench. Robbie Ross left he's, us he's a year later and played too. for Australian Origin. Yeah. So the system we had in Newcastle was that you were truly blessed to play reserve grade. Where you are. And if you played first grade, you've made it. Who coached you? Was it Finchie? Uh, Robert, yeah, right, yeah, Finchie was the coach, yeah. which was Brett Finch's father. Yep. Him and Mick Quinn. And to make Reggie's, you know, so I used to rush home from year 11 in high school and go to train at the nights, you know. So I'd play, <laughs> I, I, you know, in year 11 and year 12, I'd play schoolboy footy of a weekday or Friday and play NRL either that night or on the weekend, you know. Did they let you have a beer? But then, oh, I didn't drink um, until I was over the age of 18. Okay. I never drank in front of the boys. Yep. Um, because I was so intimidated and scared of my idols that were in the room. If I fucked up and did the wrong thing, yep. I didn't want to give them that personal image. I wanted to make them realise that I want to earn their respect. Because yeah, these, sure. these blokes, when they trained in Newcastle, they draw blood. Yeah. See, I've been to a few clubs. Yep. Newcastle's the only club that I can um, vouch for today that 
we had to win on the training paddock. Mm. I've seen Tony Butterfield and Paul Harrigan draw blood out of each other in ball work session at, at training. What a post sessions. Yeah, bro. I've seen reserve grade and first grade players punch on in ball sessions. Wow. It was that competitive. So our reserve grade stay, team at one stage was better than our A grade. Would you beat them in training? Yeah, beat them all the time. Yeah. That's why we won the comp. Yep. You know, because it was the third year in a row going to the grand final, and it was the first year I came in into that grand final. The last two years they've lost, and that's the year that I come in that we ended up beating Cronulla, you know. Yep. And it was the last Winfield Cup in 1995, you uh-huh. know. And at that stage, you know, the, the game was big. Tina Turner, that Red Hot song. And yep. I remember, you know, like I just knew that, the culture and the club that I was a part of, and I remember the first words when I've, Keith Lonzo saw me from Tinga, mm. and um, Maddie and Joey and Billy Peden were the first three people I met at front of Marathon Stadium. Yep. They said to me at Joe Dunnage's gym, they threw me on the scales. Yep. I was 87.4 kilo as a 15-year-old kid. Uh-huh. They said, you're a beast. They said, what do you run 100 in? I said, barefoot 11 on a track 10.93. And they said, no way. So I went across Marathon Stadium. I ran 100 metres, then I did a backflip at the end of it, and at the end of it, Maddie, Maddie Johns and the boys said, we're going to win a comp one day. We want you to be a part of it. At this stage, I was flying down from Tinga to North Narrabeen in the yeah. Roosters Elite Squad. Yeah. I was the youngest. Oh, you was, were signed to the Roosters? Yeah, I wasn't signed. I was part of the Elite Development Squad, so I was the youngest ever to be a part of it. I was like 14. So I was like 14, 15, I was flying down to North Narrabeen. Ronnie who Palmer. got you in, Artie? I don't know who it was, bro. But I used to fly down there and just, you know, I the roosted all the kid out in the roosters gear, and I was just like, oh, it doesn't. So feel used right. to fly your foot from Inverell, yeah, Inverell to Sydney. To Sydney, pick me up. I go to North Narrabeen, and at that time there was like Jason Holland, uh, a few other blokes there that were part of it. Um, who was it? Richie, Richie, Richie Allen. Yep. And those guys, but I was a kid, you know. These boys were like 17, 18, 19, I was fourteen, fifteen. I still hold, I think Ronnie Palmer told me I still hold the records for 40 metres, which is 4.4 seconds. Wow. In, you know what I mean? That's like the Americans do it at that Yeah, you know, I, yeah, because I was, yeah. Ronnie Palmer goes, yep, because Ronnie had me in schoolboys too, you know, and, mm. and then the night come and found me, uh, Keith Onzo saw me, and I'll come down here for a visit one day, and he said, um, we're going to sign you, we don't need to watch a, tr- a trial, because we've seen your trial, because I played country on the 17s. Yep. Then City under 17s, yep. and then another City under 17. I only played to ever do that too. So I played for country as a 15 year old. Wow. Against Shannon Nevin and Ritson and that. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was a 15 year old. Then the Knights saw me. Then I went and captained the City side. Oh, sorry. The City side the following year, Craig Gow was the captain, and I played country, uh, City. That's amazing. 17s. But- and then the third year, I captained City 17s. So yeah. not only did I play Strange Schoolboys 94, 95, 96. Yeah. But I also played City Country, 94, 95, 96. But, oh, before we get to that part of the story, your parents didn't even want you to play rugby league. Yeah, they didn't want me to play, bro. So I played purely by mistake, you know, and um, and that's how I got into footy, you know. I didn't have to pay footy boots. I had to borrow someone's boots to play for... What um, were you, 12? I was 12, bro. I was 12. And then um, I went in and scored seven tries, you know. First game? Yeah, under 12s. And then from wow. that... From that was that your cousin's team or something? Yeah, Elton, Elton Connor. So he's another cousin of me and all the boys. No, there Elton, you go. And uh, God yeah, rest yeah. his soul, Auntie Margie and Uncle Ivan, the, you know, they're with the, the ancestors now, you know, but God bless them, you know, rest his soul. And they, yeah. she's the one that said, get in the car, we need players, the shorter players. And I jumped in and I'm like, <laughs> I haven't played before, aren't you? Who cares? Just play like you're playing in the street, are we? Yeah. You know, run around them. So I played and scored seven tries, you know, and then I'd play 12s, 14s and 15s, whatever weekends, got 20, 21 tries, you know. And Were you still hiding it from the parents? Yeah. 
So what was the excuses that you'd be using? No, I was strict. I had to be home before the lights went down. Okay. Because back growing up back in the day, like, I love my culture, I love my people, my my identity and everything is before anything. That's who I am. I'm a person, but I've also witnessed and seen things in my life that um, you wouldn't want anyone else to really see, you know what I mean? But Mm. growing up in the community I grew up in, I love my town, I love my people, I love my culture, but, you know, we've got a lot of issues, a lot of problems. So dad just tried to, and mum tried to separate me from that, you know, and... And then um, when I found out that I started playing, he was like, well, right up, sit down, we had a big, you know, because I'm the oldest seven kids, we sat down, do you want to play? And I said, yeah. And he went, oh, well, I have to buy a pair of boots. Yep. So he bought me my first pair of black Adidas boots. And um, he woke me up when he got home from work in Sydney. And he woke me up and I woke up and he was standing on the end of the bed and he goes, these are for you, son. And I opened them up. It was a, a black, bright green Adidas written on it, boots. And that, that smelled that nice and... It was like the greatest gift of like a fucking child being wow. born, you know. Did you say it was from your dad, did you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. And then I slept in them for three nights. You would. Yeah, so Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, and I just warmed nonstop. And then that's when I said to myself, because my dad was strict, you know, he'd say, yeah. right, you're cutting wood, you're washing up, you're mm. wiping up, you're packing the dishes away, you're vacuuming. And then I just said, Dad, how long do I have to do it for? Until you learn your lesson, that you can't keep doing that. Yeah. You know, because Dad grew up more in Mission back in the old Calabar days when it was black mm. and white, a lot of racism. Yep. When they lift the boom gate up on the Mission and he'd get out and Dad witnessed his cousins being shot and yeah. people dying and he moved to Tinga, fell in love with Mum in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Then Mum fell pregnant here and moved back to Tinga. And yep. and then um, and that was it, you know. And then um, one, I was in the kitchen one night and I was 14. 14 turning 15. I said, Dad, do you reckon one day I could be like Brad Fittler? Do you reckon one day I could play like Wayne Pearce mm. or Gary Jack? And because uh, they're the only players I knew, because we'd only ever watch Balmain and Penrith. Oh, Penrith! <laughs> Dad went for Penrith. We didn't, we didn't watch anyone else, you know. Yeah. But I'd sneak up the Nana Pops, and they'd love the Rabbitohs, the Bunnies, you know. Okay. So I watch Phil Blake, Manoa Thompson, bro, was my. Gary Haynes, love, dad, yeah. yeah, I love. I'm friends with Manoa on social media now. Yeah, so nice. Manoa, you know, I love his posts when he goes fishing that. Like Manoa back in the day was, I got my skip and jump from Manoa. How good was his running style, mate? His running style and his skip and jump late feet yeah. is where I got it. My late feet oh, so from. that's from him. I got it from him. Wow. And then Phil Blake when he used to chip and chip chase. And chase. I got it from that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Then um, uh, Graham Lyons was on the wing and then Longbottom was, Long was on the other wing. Yeah. And then, you know, young Tyron Smith had the dreadlocks. So the Rabbitohs were my family's team, if you know what I mean, you know. Yeah. And that's when I, and I said to Dad one day in the kitchen at 15 Garnish with Ting, I said, Dad, do you think I'm good enough to play footy and he said son you're the greatest thing i'm not saying this because you're my son but you're the greatest athlete i've ever seen in my life and i was like what do you mean dad he said oh you do things son that i don't know how you don't because i never taught you these things son so what what stage did you start getting allowed to play footy about 14 15 yeah okay and what did he come to all your games he took me he drove me yeah you know, he used to say a dollar tried, and he said, son, I can't keep giving you $25. You sent him four, mate. Yeah, he said, I can't keep giving you $25. I've got another six kids to raise, you know what I mean? And then we'd, um, you know, he'd, he'd do fundraise, like the town would do fundraisers, the community would do fundraisers to send me to America, Mexico, and Canada for athletics. They'd, Did you go to America for yeah, athletics? Yeah, athletics, man. I was in America. Um, so the town would do that. And then footy. Did you have spikes, anything? No, like, I didn't own a pair of spikes. Barefoot. I'll, tell, I'll come back to that, right? Okay. So, Dad said, "Right, our son, you got you got money. We got petrol for the we got money. We got money for petrol for the car. Yeah, we're borrowing Uncle Arnie or someone's car. It could be like anyone, Preston's parents, 
Preston's grandparents, my whoever, someone in the family had a car for me to drive. Yeah. And don't have money. Dad had packed me up, and we'd leave four in the morning to go to a trial game, and I'd make the rep side. Then I'd make the countryside. Yeah. And I'd make the New South Wales side, and then at this stage. My mum was like, no, Ray, you answer the phone because they were, remember the old phones on the wall? Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. I'm not answering the phone, Ray. You need to talk to all these clubs ringing off Owen. And so I, it and was just go, ring yeah. off the hook, Yeah, yeah. she go, I don't fucking, he's not going to any club, Ray. Oh, your mum's not. Yeah, only 14, 15. Yeah. You know, he's not leaving. Yep. Because she didn't want me to leave. Of course. Because I was the eldest. I was were a you mummy's boy too? Yeah, I still am. Yeah. 42. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? And, she was like, no, he's not fucking, you tell him club, nah, nah, wait till he's later on. And then um, I sat down and said, oh, we did make a decision, so we've got every club in Australia and we've got clubs in England. Yeah. Wigan wanted you Wigan, too, right? Morris Lindsay, Wigan wanted me, you know, and um, Warring- uh, Witness at Tom, but I ended up playing for Witness later on, but, yeah. and, Wa- and Workington and Warrington, all these clubs, you know, and, yep. you know, and then um, we needed to make a decision and we sat down one day and. It was just me, mum and dad, not my brother and sister. And I said, son, mm-hmm. tomorrow uh, the Knights are picking you up from school and you're going to live in Newcastle. So said, they decided that you're going to the Knights? Yeah. They made a decision. Yep. And Keith Holmes, I pulled up in a white Trago and I had an old port. Oh, well, why did they pick the Knights? Because it was closer from the city. Closest, yeah, gotcha. How far is it and from it was a country to town. town? It was a country town. So we can go a long way, seven hours, go through Gloucester, four, three and a half, four. Okay. And then, um, yeah, and that was it, you know, and um, I moved down here and I cried all the way. Mm. I didn't see my brothers and sisters for 12 months later because well, I didn't even know I was gone. I didn't know I was leaving. So it was probably, in hindsight, a good way to do it so it wasn't an emotional strain on me mm. or them. Were you homesick? Homesick. I tried to leave the nights probably five, six times in the first year. Wow. What and, stopped you? Mum um, <coughs> and Dad, my Nan and Pop, uh, and then I met some amazing people here. Then I, you know, at that stage I met a very amazing Jack Newton's daughter, Jack and Jackie Newton's daughter, Christy Newton. I started Perfect. dating her, so yep. it worked out really well, you know. And yep. That family was amazing to me, and you know, without that family, I probably wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved there because I was with their daughter for ten years, you know. Wow. And so I just focused my time and energy on our relationship and on myself. And in the first year, SG Ball, I scored thirty-one tries and got Player of the Year in SG Ball. How many games? Twelve. Wow. Were you playing five eight? I was playing centre. Centre. Second year, I played five eight. Then I went back to centre, and Danny Bedirus went to five eight. And I was only three points short of getting Player of the Year again for SG Ball two years in a row. Betsy told me you guys lived together. Yeah, so I bought a house. Um, so we rented, we rented together, and then when I bought my first house at 17, Betsy lived with me. Yeah. Yeah, so we lived together for a while, and um, Betsy's the um, definition of professionalism, yeah. dedication, hard work, and discipline. He's, uh, the, you know, Danny Bedeus is the sort of bloke that you want your daughter to come home with. Of course, yeah. You know? So polite. No one such else. A gentleman. No one else. No Andrew Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? No, yeah. But, uh, just, but yeah, so it's, it's it, you know, and Bedgie's, you know, he's a, look, look what he's doing now, you know, he's doing amazing things in the game. And clubs are different, yeah. Clubs, he's doing great stuff at the Knights now yeah. and, and helping Freddie with the, with the Blues team. And, you know, we come through as juniors and schoolboys together, you know. Mm. So you're like really tight? You yeah, talk? yeah. Look, this community in Newcastle is tight. I see the boys every now and again, but we've all got our own lives to live. But you know what? If I don't see them in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, we still give a cuddle and shake. We don't shake hands Absolutely. in Newcastle. We cuddle. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like our old boys and the people that played at this club, once you play with the Knights, you know, it's a bit like the mafia because it's blood in, blood out. You're stuck with us, you know what I mean? We are family, bro, you know. Oh, you know, I introduced you playing for the Australian schoolboys on three occasions. Like, for mm. me, when I'm looking at a young player, the pedigree of him playing once for the Australian schoolboys, I take notice of that. Yeah. When you play three times, 
That's nearly a that's nearly impossible. How did you do it when you only started at twelve, mate? Yeah, so I suppose how it happened was so I come down here, right? So I went to St Mary. So part of my scholarship at the Knights was mum and dad said, "Well, in mum's old side of the family mm. and dad's old side of the family, no one finished year twelve. Okay. So dad said, "Son, just finish year twelve. Accomplish something that no one else has ever massive done. goal for your family." Yeah, so dad yeah. said to the Knights, "Pay for my boy to go to private school." Yeah. So it was a three year school scholarship. And it was a thousand dollars to sign on, mm-hmm. so I give the thousand dollars to mum and dad, yeah. and part of they're going to live with a family, Bill and Steve and Kim Vasella, fifteen Hope Street, Belmont North. Well, you still remember everything. Yeah, yeah, and I still talk to Kim, you know. Yeah, and um, so I went to a high school where they didn't care if you really went to school back home. Great school, McIntyre High School. Yeah, but it was a school. Okay, but when I come down here, you had to wear the suit, the tie, the shoes. And so it taught me a lot about. Life lessons. Yeah, it's little discipline things too, the, right? The amazing teachers I had at the school <clears throat> taught me all about morals, self-care, respect, love, caring at this school. Yeah. So people think going to a Catholic school was all about Christianity and brainwashing. It wasn't. It was all about learning about the person that you are. Yep. And giving back to to the world and, and, and learning. So I went to St. Mary's um, Catholic school at Gateshead, okay. year 10. Yep. And at the time, the deputy prince was Phil Tobin. So Phil Tobin was part of the Australian school boy, New South Wales Triple C. And he said, um, um, I want you to come on trial for the Northern Rivers Catholic Colleges website. I said, yes, yeah, sweet. He said, I've got the approval from the Knights. You can come. So I went to trial up at Lismore Banner. Mm. I scored eight tries. And I said, yeah, no, you're right. You're in the website. So from there, we went to... Um, Sydney. You yep. played at Parramatta Stadium. And you play, I was playing at Scott Petherbridge that played for yeah, okay. some. No, he played at my school, John Paul II. John Paul II, <laughs> the Pull, yeah. Pull Tour Boys. Same and, school, yeah. Um, playing Pritterson. And at this stage, I'm 15, everyone's 17, bro. Mm. 17, 18. And at that age, there's a big gap between. I was, the only, size I was too. only playing the whole state championships, or the championships to make the. Catholic colleges team that was in year ten. Yeah, but but what was it, Owen? Was it speed? Was it everything? Was it strength? Like, everything. how were you scoring these tries? Excuse me. I just <laughs> I just knew that I just knew that when I had the ball in my hands, that I could do things other people can't. Okay. So I'd watch play. I'd, I'd get to the stadium and I'd watch teams play, and I watch I watch no one else. But my opposite number. I didn't care about the other five eight centre yep. winger. I watched the who's marking me, and before I even played him, I knew I had him beat. Were you like that in first grade too? Yeah, I had it in first grade too. Okay. So I so playing his feet. If he was late to turn, if he was slow with this, I had him. So when I had the ball, I took him to school straight away. Would you set him up, but set him up? Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Gone. Score tries. And you know you got to say too, like go back to down real. I was in I was in year eleven, year twelve, playing. <coughs> with, it was hard to make a rep side coming through. I can imagine. I was marking yeah. Terry Hill, Joe McCracken, yeah, Craig Innes, you know, um, Laurie Daly, um, Ken McGuinness, all these players that were representative players already in city, country, New South Wales, and Australia. Yeah, you know, not like today you can get someone come from Park Footy and play on the wing for the Rabbitohs and he plays for the Blues or whatever. You couldn't do that back in the day. Were you ever intimidated by these guys? No, nah, I loved it. Yeah. It's, it's challenging. You know what I mean? It's challenging, you know, but also I love the fact that when I marked Steve Renouf one day when I debuted, he saw my footy card after the Did game. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> He's a legend, right? Yeah, mate. I debuted in front of 38,000 people. He won 35-16. He speed off the mark. What was it like the to play him? Oh, he was a freak, bro. He swerved and palm was 
And that outboard Kevy used to yeah, throw him. next level, you know, and like, I just wanted to be the pearl there too. So I mimicked a lot. Of, I mimicked my game off a lot of players and I combined it into me, you know, and and then um, I suppose gave me the schoolboy stuff and then I made, uh, we went to Darwin for the Australian Schoolboys um, Championships in Darwin in 94 mm. and I was actually number 14 in the New South Wales Combined Catholic Colleges. I was number four. I was number 14. Did you play junior kangaroos that year as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. At Parramatta Stadium before yeah. the France game? Yeah. I, I, no, we went to Kiwis. I think we went – I went to New Zealand with Adam Ritson, Shannon Nevin. I had a red-hot team. You know, I was only 16 playing junior yeah. kangaroos, you know. And then um, – And Adam would have been in the same situation as you. Like, he, he was playing first grade when he was 17. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I used to talk with Adam Ritson and that and, and pick his brain that too, you know. And one thing I realised that we were just young boys chasing our dream and we're mm. no different than anyone else, but we just made sacrifices to achieve what we had to achieve, you know. And then um, we went to Darwin. I was actually number 14. I still got to jump at mum and dad's. You know, New South Wales Catholic College. So whatever jersey you're at the start, you keep for the whole tournament, right? Yeah, so yeah. I was actually named in the starting side. The centre that was actually picked at the time, yeah, which was Shane Rigon, they moved him in the second row centre. To put you in? Put me in left centre. And yeah, I got nice. a player of the tournament and the first player named in the Australian schoolboys team as a 15-year-old kid. That's crazy. Man. I should have been playing the junior Australian merit team. What was it about the left side? Like, I just, I, I think, because when I started to work out that with my skip, I can skip off both feet, but when I when I run and chip and chase, it's off my left foot, mm. so it's better to be on the left side. It looked beautiful, Chip from the man. left to come yeah. back into the right to give to the fullback. Yep. So it was all calculated stuff. You know what I mean? It was calculated at a young age for me to do that. And then um, I got player of the tournament at a 15-year-old um, Catholic college uh, player, and I was the first one named in the Australian schoolboys team. And Darren Lockie didn't even make the team that year. Really? He played for Queensland. But the rest of his history was Lockie. What was he like as a kid? Yeah, he was good. Yeah. Yeah, Ben Eichen was in that team, Aaron Ketchell. They had a good, had a good side, you know? Yeah, for sure. And um, we lost the grand final to ACT. You know, that, ACT? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did they have in their team? Some Canberra boys. Oh, yeah, a few Canberra boys, you know what I mean? Um, but Brett Kamali was New South Wales halfback. Um, yeah, so that was the first year Australian schoolboys. So I got player of the year. Yeah, and then people were saying, "Man, you made Australian schoolboys. You're only in year ten. You got another two, like year eleven and year twelve. You can get the record." I didn't think about breaking records or setting records. Mm. I just played footy. Yeah, and then the second year was the championships were in Seaford Oval. Yep, down in Canberra, and we went down there and we won the, we won it down there. Okay, and I. Played down there and they said, "Yep, I want your second year Australian schoolboys." Bang! And then the Starting third again, yeah, yeah, started. Yep, started every Australian schoolboys. Yep. And then the third year we was in Adelaide Oval and I said, "Look, you don't have to play down here. We're gonna make you captain anyway." I see you captain the last team. No, I, I went to I, I went to um, Adelaide Oval with the Catholic colleges. Yeah, yeah. For the Australian championships, but they, they said you Queensland. Yeah, they said, you don't have to play. You don't have to play. You would be in anyway. Just come up in the box and help us select who you want to play. Yeah, yeah. in the team. Yep. I said, but I want to play. And we ended up winning in Adelaide Oval. We won it down there too. Are you CHS or Triple C? No, Triple C. Yeah, because you went to Xavier? Yeah, same yeah. place Xavier and Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. I was Triple C. And we beat New South Wales High Schools with Dean Withers in the team, you know, and they said, um, come up and pick, help us select who you'd like to play with in the third year Australian Schoolboys. Yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, well, I don't know any other players, but I'd like to play with Bang, 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 two or three of them. And then, um, yeah, in the third year, I ended up 
you know, Captain Australian Schoolboys, and I think I still hold records in the Schoolboys. You know, like the most tries and points because I played three years in a row. You know, did they did they pick the players that you told them to pick? Yeah, they picked some of them. Yeah, they they picked them, and then um, uh, I think you know, like we over the years they always picked the best Australian Schoolboys team, and I never made it once. Yeah. But what the, what they picked on, they picked on players that played Australian Schoolboys that went on to play Origin in Australia. Yeah, okay. But I'll guarantee you one thing now, and you can ask any player playing Australian Schoolboys. In my day, because they wouldn't hold a candle to me. Of course not. I think they, I they saw an article. To me, you know, I see you did an article with the best seventeen, and you were easily in there. Like, yeah, 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 you know. And but I don't think Vossi picked me. Did he did pick he, me? Did he not pick you? No, no, Vossi didn't pick me. But you know, like if you hidden himself, then yeah, 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 yeah. But they don't understand. They pick players that played for later on in their life because schoolboys different too. It's because different. there's a guy that went to my school. His name is Michael Withers. Mick and, Withers, and he played over Is in he, England. He was one of the best. Career. I School played Mick boys. Withers. Yeah. Mick Withers was my fullback in the first year Australian Schoolboys. He was great, mate. Oh, my, he was my winger, actually, in the first okay. year Schoolboys. Then he went to Balmain. Then he went to Bradford Bulls yeah. and became a superstar. Won, like, four premierships Absolutely. over there. You know? But, you know, to, to not make the greatest ever Australian Schoolboys team doesn't make sense why I was the most prolific Australian Schoolboy in the history of the game. Three times. Three right. times, but most points, most tries. Like I said, mate, to make it once is a rarity. Yeah, to make they, it three what they do times. is people pick them. People pick them on what they've done later in life. They don't actually pick them. Like if you picked, it should be picking on who's the best schoolboys player. I'm not being rude or disrespectful to any player. But I it's love your that. achievement. I love mate, these guys. So. But if I was to pick the best Australian schoolboys team ever, mm. there'd be players in there that now played for Australia and captain New South Wales and Australia that would not make my starting schoolboys team. So I'm not taking them on what they've done later on. I'm taking them on that time in life when it was Australian schoolboys. Give me your three best schoolboys. My three best schoolboys of all time. So I'd I'd definitely, definitely say Kevin McGuinness was good. Yep. Buddha. Kevin McGuinness. He had such good feet, mate. Because he could play anywhere. Yep. In the backs, right? Um, Royston Lightning was another. From Arendale. Arendale College. Yeah. Royston was good. And I'd say Tony Pulitua. Yeah, and he went to my school as well. Yeah, I played two years with him. Just a big boy, mate. He was playing it's centres too. Great skill. Back played then, Penrith. Penrith, 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 when Penrith were like rough, big blokes, physical. Yeah. He was a kid, come, and I'm just going, shit. He's just play. a gentle giant, but. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then, you know, like you have players like McClendon, McFadden, um, Payton, you know, Simpson, Trent Barrett. You know what I mean? Matty Gidley, Danny Badiris. The, the list you know, goes Luke, on, Luke mate. Prittis, <laughs> Dean Raper, you know, like it, Brett Kamali, Michael Withers, Dean Raper, you know, and it, it, the list just goes on, bro, you know? Does it what? And I forget I forget a lot of the players that I played with in schoolboys too, you know what I mean? But the players that stand out, you know, like a lot of lot of the boys that went to JP too, that, yeah. you know, Russell Richardson that I played with that went yeah. to um, – What's the school at Campbelltown? Saint oh, St. Greg's. St. Greg's, yeah. you know. Heaps of kids went yeah, from there. Yeah, Dennis Moran. and like, it, was, it was a good time, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Mate, World Sevens, you got picked as, what, a 16-year-old? 16-year-old. To go over there. And you, you got player of the tournament, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I was in Fiji. That was the first year? Yeah. Yeah, so I was in year 10. That's crazy. St. Mary's, yeah. And uh principal says, I come to the office. And I was like, yeah, what's happening? And I said, oh, uh, you're Robbie O done a hamstring injury and we're, we're taking yourself and Darren Albert and Brett Grogan. Oh, Brett was already there. He's playing a bit of great anyway. Yeah, yeah. We're taking you and Darren Albert. Albert was playing reserve grade and flag. Mm. And then I was just playing history ball. 
I said, we're taking you to Fiji, to Nandy for the World Sevens. I said, Matty, Joey, Mark Sargent, um, Albie, me, Brett Grogan, a few other players. That happened so long ago. I'm 42 now, so there's a few players <laughs> I, I can't really remember. They said, we're taking you out for the World Sevens. And I said, oh, I haven't got a passport. My old one's run out. Yeah. I said, don't worry, we're taking you out to Sydney today and getting your passport. When do we fly out? I said, tomorrow. So I went down and got my passport. Then we flew over to Nandy and um, with the Knights, and yeah, we won the World Sevens in Fiji, bro. And, and the Dragons had chocking at the time. The, the Rabbitohs and there was a few teams from Fiji. And in Fiji, we used to go down the beach and down the park. Me, Maddie, and Joey, and, and Albie, and, and we play one touch. Yeah, nice. They play one touch. Yeah. So we play six tackles touch. Mm. They play one touch. So we'd go down there and just Maddie and Joey just like mimic these Fijian athletes barefoot with. Eight packs, you know, just doing amazing skills. With the Fijian boys, like, going play, play, play. with each other? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd yeah. just jump in and play. It'd be like 30 on 30, 20 on 20, dead set. we just rock up in our own time playing. They're athletes, aren't they, yeah. mate? Yeah. And um, see, Matty and Joey, they were, they were coaches. Yeah, they played the game, but they're coaches, man. Yeah. You can tell the way Matty Johns talks on his show. They dissect the game beyond, yeah, and, they, and, yeah. and they saw things that other players couldn't see. And the reason why the Newcastle, why they won two comps within four years and we won our first comp was it come back down to the Johns boys. One, we were blessed to have two players of similar ability, but we had one player that could do freaky things, mm. another player that worked hard, so it was a good combination. So one was the coach. One well, was they the like student. coaches on the field. Yeah, bro, unbelievable. And you had no choice but to go up another level. If you didn't yeah. go up another level, you had a thousand kids behind you waiting, waiting for that spot. Yep. Yeah, we won it. We won it over there, bro. Yeah, mad, good. You know? and I, yeah, so I won my first uh, World Sevens as a 16-year-old. Yeah. Oh, you know all this money getting thrown 15, at 15. Yeah, fi- I was 15. All this money getting thrown at you by Super League, by the Knights, so early in your life. Yeah. Is that, you know, when you talk to kids now, is there a bit of a danger around getting money too early? It's always a danger. You know, it doesn't have to be in sport, but it could be in your family home. If your son mm. gets a good job at 150 grand a year and he's been washing dishes at a restaurant, you know, yeah. like more money, more problems, man. And if you don't get taught to save and respect the dollar, yeah, all you can all you know is how to spend. Well, you're that, lucky that, that you bought a couple of houses early, right? Yeah, bought a couple of houses early, but I lost them all due to gambling and and um, you know poor poor relationships and poor money handling and this and that. But you know, I had a great life. It's made me the person I am today. But I guarantee you this: the next million dollars I earn, I'm keeping it. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. And um, I've had a great life, man. I can't sit back and and dwell on the mistakes that I've made because the mistakes that I've made, yeah, I fell down a hundred times. Yeah, I fell hard a hundred times. But fuck, did I get up a hundred and one times? What made you get up? Just uh just the world uh um. Proved to myself, no one else, that, you know what, I know I can do this. Mm. I it was due to my poor decisions and my poor mistakes, but I can turn it all around. It's a skill. It's a skill in life, you know. Anything Absolutely. I put my mind to, I achieve, I get it. I make it happen, you know. And I, um, I, you know, I've learned in life that, you know, like, fucking, you just got to be honest with yourself. Be raw and real. People mm. accept you more for being raw and real than trying to gloss your life, you know. Like, you want to know anything about Alan Craigie, get on Google and what I'm telling you today in your podcast, it fucking matches what they've written about me. I own it, but I'm moving forward, man. But I've learned from it. Some important lessons. Yeah, yeah. So you make your debut at 17. Yeah. Who's your coach, Mal Riley? Uh, Malcolm Riley. So I played my last year. uh, Was he tough on you? Yeah, he was tough. Yeah, because he's a big English dude. Yeah, Yeah. Mal's tough. He's going, oh, you fucking lazy prick, you know? (laughs) 
go fucking yeah, fucking lazy little bugger. You know. <laughs> he goes and he put me sober and he goes, listen. He goes, um, he goes, oh, he goes, I fucking learned something about ya. He goes, you can fucking play, kid. You can you can play. He goes, um, just work on the little things. Yeah. Don't fucking worry about the big long stuff. Just do the little things. He goes, that's skill and speed work and that. I want you to be the best, and I did. So did he like your ad lib sort of stuff? He loved there? it. He yeah. loved it. Yeah. He'd say to John's boys, give away the fucking ball. Just fast ball, quick Give him ball. the fucking ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then after that, bang, he installed confidence in me as a coach and he directed the team to give me the ball. Unbelievable, bro. Yeah. As a 17-year-old kid playing NRL, giving the ball. Bang. Uh, oh, this year I was talking to Mark Riddell mm. and through his career, the, one of the biggest things was, we were talking about was media. Mm. They used to pick on him for his weight heaps. Yeah. Now, the media used to go after you as well. Oh, big time. I remember Latrell this year. How does that make you feel as a young kid? It makes you feel like shit because Tony Halls, remember Tony Halls, that media guy? Yeah. I still remember the 97 Grand Final Rugby League magazine, the, height, the heading was Target Fat Boy. Is that what he wrote? Yeah. Target Fat Boy. That's and if I'm talking shit, Google it and check out that out. There's an article by Tony Hawes that said Target Fat Boy. I can't believe you wrote that, mate. That's, you know what I mean? That's bullshit. And this is the week of the grand final. Yeah. Now, if I read something today that said Target Can you skinny white boy Tony Hawes, he'd sue me. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was the heading. I was a young indigenous boy about to set the world of chasing his dreams. And out of 28 players, there's two teams. All they can write about was Target Fat Boy. So the thing with Piggy, his biggest thing was his mum used to get upset about it. Yeah, I might Was that the same as you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, my weight, because you can understand, my weight, I knew in my head that I can put on weight in off-season, mm. and then I'd lose it. Yeah. So I knew I was, in, I was part of a system, had the best trainers, best dietitian, this and that. But at the same time, I squeezed in everything that I could do in my life at a young age, because I didn't have a normal life of a teenager. I couldn't go to schoolies. I couldn't go to parties. I couldn't go, because I was training every day. Yeah. Two, three times a day before I went to school. I go to school, come home and train. You know what I mean? Five yeah. days a week. Then I play six. Then I do recovery on the seventh day. For seven days a week, you know what I mean? For nine, ten months of the year, as a 15, 16 year old kid, I didn't have a day off. Wow. So I retired at 26 because I was mentally, physically, and spiritually fucking burnt out. Cody Walker debuted at 26. He did. I retired at 26. Wow. Did you ever try to make a comeback? Yeah, I did at the West Tigers. I was living with Chalk. I left England, come back. Tigers like, yeah, sweet. Then I fucking didn't go to first season, the pre-season. I come home, chocolate, where are you? The club's ringing me looking for you. I said, ah, I'm done. Yeah. I'm back in Newcastle, 26. The best fucking decision I made in my life. Because it was the first time my whole life, Owen Craig made a decision for himself. I'm done. I've won premierships. I've bought houses. I've been to 24 countries. Yeah. I've lived the life everyone dreamed of 10 times over. Was the phone still ringing for a few yeah, years yeah, after that? Yeah, people clubs on me to here and go there. And I was like, I'm done. And dad and mum were like, just do what you want, son. I said, well, I can't offer them nothing. I'm burnt out. Yeah. If I kick the ball a day, I'm not going to chase it. If I chip the chase, you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't be the one chasing it anymore. It's just some little one percenters that I knew I just couldn't do anymore, bro. Yeah. I was fucked. I was done. And then after that, when I retired in 05, yep. 06, 07, 08, 09, 010, 011, 012, for six or seven years, I never watched one fucking game in a row. What, you just couldn't do it? I hated the game. I think I was dirty on the game. Mm. I give so much of the game, but... They, they was that because of the support? No support when you oh, retired? Oh, no support or? in there. And, and, and I was just filthy on the... Yeah, man, I, myself and a few other players over the years. Like, But now the structure's a bit better. Mm. But I just hated the game because it took up so much of my time and my life that I missed out on. Yeah, I won a premiership, and yeah, I've done certain things, but 
I'm like, fuck. I didn't, and then when I went to a coffee shop one day, Hamilton Gloria Jeans and this big bloke was there. He's going, hey, you going, mate? I'm, why don't you come and play again, Craigie? You know, and I was like, yeah. Mate, I'm like, who the fuck are you? Hey, you going, mate? Yeah. He goes, come and play captain coach local team. Yep. I was like, and then I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, and then something is bang, challenge yourself. You're 34. Yep. You haven't played in eight, nine years. You haven't even touched a ball in eight, nine years. Did you do it? Went back and won the comp back to back in the, and captain coach Maryland Tigers. Good on you, mate. Were you 5'8"? 5'8", 34, 35. Putting the tries on, mate? Yeah. You know, we, we got minor premiership, minor premiership two years in a row in the local comp, you know. Uh, which is a low honour comp, but Did still, you get a few of the boys back as well? No, I was the only outsider playing this team. So I just taught blokes yeah. how to believe in themselves and just put a game plan in that I learned from the Johns boys and we won two comps. How good. You know what I mean? And is coaching I, kind of, is that something that interests you? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm at a stage in my life now where, you know, like I, I, get, I get calls from players from all clubs mm. and I go and meet them and talk to them, how do you do this, how do you do that, you know, and... um you know, I'll speak to Bradman Best and I'll speak to Mitchell Pierce and yep. a few boys and we, and we talk and this and that. And I'm saying, Mitch, you give the fucking ball to Bradman this year. <laughs> early ball. <laughs> early ball. Yeah, early you know ball. I mean? You know, very rarely do you get any good number fours come through here, son. And <laughs> Bradman's one of them, you he's know. He's a specimen, isn't he? He's, a, he's the beast, you know. the beast from the East, man. And um, he's a great kid too, bro. Yeah, he seems a great kid, you know. They're all good kids. This, this club and the coaching staff and now like Newcastle on the verge of doing some big things, you know. And, mm. When the Knights make the top four, because there's one team you don't want to play, because history shows that when they make the top four, they normally win the comp, you know. But, um, yeah, and um, that's what happened. I just turned away from the game, and now I really appreciate watching the game now. I don't watch it all the time. I go to a Knights game. Yep. You know, uh, I love my Knights, bro. Uh, I love my bunnies. And, um, yeah, and that's it, you know, and rolls on. And that, guys, was part A of Owen Craigie. So part B, it's going to be a little bit more in-depth in terms of some of the off-field stuff that he's got into, and there's ups and downs. And it's, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty raw story. So part B is a little bit more raw, like I said, adult theme. So do review before you let your kids listen. Also a great chapter on the 1997 Premiership Grand Final. So plenty to see for next week. Holly, really recommend that you tune in for that one. Uh, Next on the show, in a couple of weeks, will be Ian Roberts. That's what he recorded. Plenty in the pipeline that I'll be doing in February as well. So plenty of episodes ahead. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, Talking League, that will continue to run. You'll probably get three or so previews up until the season kickoff. So please check it out. Search Talking League Pod on your on your podcast app or just head to talkingleaguepod.com. And all the relevant links are also in today's player notes. I'll be running a fantasy league and tipping comp, 500 bucks cash prize, and it's free to enter. All the info is on the episode notes, or hit me up on either social media or send me an email, and I'll point you in the right direction. All right, guys, great to be back and great to have you back. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.